So I recently had an argument uh, with uh, at sort of an employer, I guess, which I feel like encapsulates this, where like I was being put up for some work by a tutoring agency and I happened to know the guy at the tutoring agency who's like, yeah, this kid's kind of a shithead, like, but, you know, they need someone to like do this. And I'm like, fine. But then the person who was like managing this client didn't want to put me up for it because they felt that like my heart wasn't in it. And I'm like, whose heart is in teaching like the incredibly privileged shithead kid of like some oligarchs so that they can get an advantage over like a poorer but smarter kid? Like how much of a rube would you have to be to be like, no, I just believe in the good of education. Like you would have to be so dumb that there would be nothing you could teach that child. <laughs> and in that way, you would be the perfect client because you would the perfect uh, tutor rather because you would just be stealing money from the family <laughs> and making Doing the kid dumber. <laughs> Accidentally doing radical praxis by being really stupid. Redistributing wealth, baby. <laughs> Redistributing wealth by accident. But that's the. this is, I think, gets the core of what the right thinks about work, which is that they think that there is, which is that if, if you're left to your own device, especially the working class is left to its own devices, then it will sort of, without the discipline and structure of a boss who's educated and from the middle or upper classes, the working class will Usually just come drift, to the end of a level. Will just drift into vice and indolence and will sort of cry out for meaning and structure. It's a way of looking at the working class as children, I think. Yeah, it's, it's like a total lack of faith or trust in other people. But I think also there's a fear. There's a fear that if basically you give material kind of like sustainability and comfort and you also give people access to doing other stuff rather than jobs then basically like your time's up <laughs> i think there is yeah. a certain fear to it like i.e I, there's way more people who are under the cosh of like a manager than those who are doing the managing if you suddenly allow those people to have a choice uh oh you know well this is like this goes back to something and i think we'll we'll transition on across the atlantic uh to ian duncan smith on universal credit right and this goes back to something that um, Michael Walker said on an, an episode of, of ours a few months ago, which is that none of these reforms, about none of these benefit cuts or whatever, none of it's to save money. In fact, mm. it costs more to aggressively means test this much um, than it does to just give people benefits, right? Yeah. Um, it's about Findom. But what it does is it disciplines the labor. It sort of is. It disciplines the labor market because it means you can't just leave your job. Yeah, it means you can't agitate for better conditions because if you if you lose your job, you get cast into um, the unemployment industry, basically, yeah. where you're sort of churned into mush and have to take the first job you're given. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, like, I mean, just to come in on that, like, I think we should always remember that, like, universal credit follows like in a huge long line uh, of basically reforms for the last two hundred years around what out of work benefits are for. So basically, like, if you look at the workhouse system, the poor laws, the 1834 and, and onwards, like, explicitly politicians are debating in Parliament around, wait a second, we have to make life out. They literally are saying we have to make life outside of work and the workhouse worse than it is in work. And the reason why that system failed is because life uh, in work was so poor that it, like, it, to make it worse in the workhouse is literally making, letting people die. So it became a crisis. Mm. And so if you think about that, and you get to the point where we're starting creating job centers and labor exchanges in 1909, Churchill and Beveridge are debating in Parliament saying stuff like, okay, we need to, like, we need to actually like, distinguish between the deserving poor and the undeserving poor, the, the person who wants to work, the man who wants to work, and the man who, who is just idle. And so it's like a whole history. Like, it's never changed, really, even up until now. And as, as you were saying, Riley, like that, 
the recent stuff around universal credit of being like, we need to make work pay and people need to be better off in work than outside of work. It's exactly the same trajectory. And we, we look in horror at the, the poor laws and the workhouses and Oliver Twist and all that stuff. But like, it's, it's basically the same now, but on a larger scale. Because the workhouse gave you a full belly, but an empty soul. <laughs> that was the problem. Well, it's the... It's the uh, it's that was the, the problem. Yeah, the, thing, yeah. the workhouse is now <laughs> free lunch. They'll never learn. They'll never learn. Yeah, yeah. If only the workhouse had more soul. The workhouse. Yeah. This thing. The workhouse is now <laughs> yeah, distributed. James Brown in the workhouse. <laughs> the workhouse is now distributed. It's everywhere because the workhouse gets to you through sort of laws that touch everything, and it gets to you through your computer. It gets to you through constantly having to be available for like like job coaching meetings or do engaging in job searching. Have you You're, ever done DMT? <laughs> it's yeah, everywhere. Joe, Joe Rogan workhouse. Bro, what if I told you that this is, we're in the system? <laughs> <laughs> what if I told you that society is real? <laughs> uh, so this is Ian Duncan Smith on Universal Credit. Uh, the government's welfare reforms have saved the taxpayer 50 billion pounds and, I italicize this, restored fairness to the system. As the, and this plays into the idea that when people are not working, what they're doing is they're skiving off the productivity of people who are, as opposed to what's really happening, which is that there is a class of capitalists that is skiving off the productivity of everybody. Yeah, so I mm. think, like, yeah, and also it doesn't make much sense to me to talk about, like, oh, you're taking taxpayers' money, but it's like, Welfare cuts, like at some point in, a, in everyone's life, statistically, you'll, you will use welfare. So ultimately, like the same people you're saying you're stealing from are also the people who are going to be using the system anyway. So it's like yeah. this idea that you're like, there's some people who just will never use it, etc. There's like a tiny percentage of people who will never use it. And they're from like a mm. pre-capitalist aristocratic tradition. <laughs> like that's, that's like- Jacob Rees-Mogg, yeah. for example. Yeah. The Moggs. Yeah, I'm, I'm a man who may at some point wear two monocles. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's a worrying, he's a worrying man. It's it's like the it's like the fucking like uh, turning point, turning point UK today. Who were like, um, you know, there will always be a fundamental struggle between people who work for what they earn and people who earn get what they get unearned because those the people who work for what they earn are paying for the income of people who don't earn the money that they get. And it's like, yeah, my rent is two thousand pounds a month. Like, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, I, like yes, there is a huge class of people who do. <laughs> nothing yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah, use yeah. my labor to fund their lives yeah and it's a good thing we have all five days that we can really make sure that we can nurture our souls by yeah. like <laughs> making by pay, making sure jacob Rees-Mogg has enough money for a second monocle yeah. or like a dick sucking machine or whatever like how high do you have to be to regard taxation as more of a theft than rent like yeah. how high because yeah. i i've been high but i've never been that high <laughs> but what, what is it i mean this is like this is perhaps a slightly more serious point, but what is interesting about that turning point thing is to is to basically say that like the same critique that that um, the growing bourgeoisie were making to the aristocracy, which is basically like, hey, we're making stuff, and you guys mm. just sit there with your land. We're productive, is then also used by certain strands of the labor movement to say, look, the bourgeoisie, we're doing the work, like more legit- it's a more mm. legitimate critique. Uh, we're doing the work. You guys are are kind of like shaving off our our income, but then. At some point, and this is the question that's more, I don't know, a bit more philosophical, is to be like, well, should we stop making that same critique? Because basically it's kind of being like, I work harder than you. Yeah. I work harder than you. Like, if you don't work as hard as me, you don't deserve stuff, which is yeah. like, so the, I think the end game of that argument is pretty problematic, but mm. it's still useful to say, hey, you're just a renter. Like, yeah. re- re- like renter is bullshit because it doesn't create, it's not pro- productive well, anyway. But, well, but, you know what I mean? Well, it's like, I think yes. with, 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 a, with, by combating rentism, instead of, 
in, by, instead of saying that work is good and everyone should take the product of what they of what they work for, we can make the converse argument and just combat rentism. Yeah, which is to say that taking advantage of other people is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so instead of instead of valorizing work, we can demonize the taking of, the taking advantage of. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think exactly. really that's where that's a critique the left should be advancing more than the one that is sort of pure workerism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Friday, there is no more potent slur than landlord. <laughs> Oh, God, the, uh, the landlords' association, I think, really, I think, did say that. They're so good. They're amazing. Like, if you've not come across them, they have. Um, oh, they, recently, they recently boycotted B and Q because B and Q donates a percentage of his profits to shelter, which they regard as an anti-landlord organization. Oh my God. <laughs> Really? It's so funny. It's like awesome. Their official fuck position the is literally fuck the homeless. <laughs> their official position is basically to be in a high back chair stroking a cat. They're like, <laughs> they're like, imagine if someone went a step further than saying, like, we should ban boycotting Israel and was like, we should boycott Palestine. Like, that's where the landlords are. <laughs> that's wow. where the landlords yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>